um, any business that, you know, I, I was just hungry. I, I needed to turn my life around. I finally said, fuck it. I've had enough of this. I'm going to work. I'm going to figure something out. So there was no roadblock or challenges for me at that. Time. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. In this episode, we have Larry from Watch Me Amazon on the podcast. Larry is doing over eight figures on Amazon right now. He's done over $50 million in sales on the platform. So this dude is absolutely killing it, okay? And he's got an amazing, amazing story to go along with it, okay? We're talking a lot about wholesaling on Amazon. That is Larry's specialty. He is wholesaling a lot of product. He's moving a lot of product through wholesaling. We go through exactly how to get started. Even if you're a, a complete beginner, you have no idea what wholesaling is or, or how to do it. We go very in-depth. Larry goes very tactical on how you can get started with wholesaling. And we also talk a lot about change, especially in the beginning of the podcast, because Larry had to make some serious changes in, in the beginning of his life. He actually dropped out of high school and he, he was in a bit of a rough patch. He, he hit rock bottom at one point and was really struggling. So we talk a lot about change. And if you're somebody who feels stuck, if you're somebody who is struggling to, to, to get out of the rut that they're in, if you're just spinning your wheels, this is going to be a very valuable episode for you. Even if you're not so much interested in the Amazon side of things, there's a lot here to be said about really making a change in your life. And if you feel like a change is needed, I think you're really going to get a lot of this episode. So without further ado, I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Larry from Watch Me Amazon. Larry, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It is a pleasure to be speaking with you here today. Now, our listeners, they heard a little bit about you in the intro before we hopped into this, but could you give us a quick like 60-second intro as to what you're currently doing right now? And then we're going to sort of rewind back in time and work our way up to the present. But like, what are you doing right now in time? Well, my name is Larry. I am 39 years old. I am from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. I am a high school dropout. A um, couple of years ago, I started as a side hustle selling on Amazon, just flipping household day-to-day -day products, um, fell in love with it, developed a passion for it, really put all my effort and hustle and energy into building up a business. And uh, yeah, as you can see, we're doing this interview from my uh, warehouse, which is in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and I am currently an eight-figure Amazon seller, have done over 50 million in sales lifetime. Wow, that is wild. Now I'm super stoked to get into your story because like you said, you're a high school dropout. So let's let's flash us back in time to like middle school, high school years. What were you doing at that point in time? Were you somebody who was really into sports? Were you experimenting with entrepreneurship? Were you To be totally frank with you, I was into video games and smoking trees. So <laughs> that that'll give you a little bit of an idea as to why I was a high school dropout. But um, no, in all honesty, I was, you know, like most kids uh, in New York that in, you know, th those times in my age group amongst my peers, just liked, uh, you know, like video games, liked hanging out, liked smoking, liked all of that more than I liked school. Um, in between my um, junior and, se and senior years in college, one of my uh, friends, um, was in sales. He was a stockbroker and he kind of put me onto that industry. I uh, tried it out um, as a summer job, really liked it, made a couple of bucks. I was happy. I excelled at it, um, decided this is what I want to do with my life. Don't particularly need a high school diploma or a college diploma to do it. I seen a lot of people that were doing it and doing it well and making a lot of money. So I said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to try. Um, parents signed me out of school and I proceeded to do that for the next 10, 12 years of my uh, life, maybe even a little bit more. Um, you know, fast forward seven, eight, 10 years down the road, I was stuck at a, you know, corporate sales desk job, you know, nine to five, hated it, was miserable, was depressed, um, was, you know, six figures plus in debt, just doing all the wrong things that a young man can do at that time. Um, you know, depression getting worse, didn't want to go to work, didn't, didn't really want to do anything. And I knew something got, something got to give. I needed a change. So, you know, when that career didn't work out, I quit. Um, luckily, one of my friends from high school who I grew up with had an e-commerce business, an Amazon business. Um, so he gave me kind of a job just to work with him, test it out. And like I said, loved it, fell in love with it. It was really my passion and have been doing it ever since. Amazing. So I've got a bunch of questions just based on that. The first of which is like, 
talk about the interaction with your parents, because I know myself personally, like if I would have approached my parents and told them that I was thinking about dropping out of high school, they would have just laughed in my face. And I, I'm assuming that most of our listeners wouldn't have been able to, to go through with that. So talk to us about that, that interaction and how your parents felt about that decision. So my father actually passed away when I was 12 years old. So he wasn't around to you. If he was, he probably would have kicked my ass. Um, but you know, mm, my mom really didn't have a choice. It's what I was going to do. It's not what she wanted. Um, it's not what she would have allowed. But, you know, kind of when you set your mind to it that you're just going to do it, you're just going to do it. And, you know, of course, she tried to talk me out of it and all that kind of stuff, but she wasn't having it. Um, at the same time, I sold her the pipe dream. You know, I said, look at all these people. They're successful stockbrokers. I want to be a stockbroker. I want to work on Wall Street. I want to work in finance. Sold her the dream. Here are all these people making millions, hundreds of thousands. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go get licensed, get my Series 7 license. You don't need high school for it. So, you know, I kind of persuaded her more than they uh, were just willing to go along with it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So you get into sales and talk about that transition. It sounds like that came kind of naturally to you. Was that a skill that you had to develop over time or did you just kind of have a knack for sales? So I think um, sales is two parts. So some people are naturally good at sales and good at speaking. It's not necessarily that you're good in sales, but if you're, you know, you have the gift of gab and you're a people person, you should naturally excel in sales. Sure. Um, and, you know, when I tried um, that uh, business for that first summer, when I took it as a, uh, you know, job for the summer break, um, I naturally excelled at it. You know, we were on the phone all day qualifying leads. I did very well. Um, I had a lot of potential. The higher ups had and saw a lot of potential in me. Um, and then at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, all my peers and kids, young kids, but slightly older than us at the time you know, having not having lots of money, having nice cars, having nice jewels, you know, making a lot of money being a stockbroker. And I just said, you know, this is the lifestyle that I want. Um, this is something that I am going to excel in. And I just uh, did it. And, um, you know, as, as probably a lot of people who are in sales know, um, there's really no job security. I wasn't getting a salary. It's not like I was working for, you know, Merrill Lynch or Goldman Sachs and I was getting a nice cushy salary or anything like that to fall back on. It was a 100% um, commission-based gig. So you eat what you kill. If you make some sales and you do some commissions, you get paid. If you don't, you know, a day can pass, a week can pass, a month can go by and you can literally work a month and not take home a dollar. And uh, like most people um, in that business at the time, I would say, you know, the majority of people, um, you have some good months, you had some bad months. Um, but overall, after time went by, I was just spinning my wheels. And I felt like I wasn't really um, getting anywhere with it. And, and, you know, again, I had some years where I made some good money. I had some years where I absolutely struggled. But I think looking back at it now, what was missing, the missing ingredient was um, it's either my passion for it wasn't there to begin with or just a constant spinning of my wheels and doing the same stuff and just living, working that kind of job, living that kind of miserable life. I kind of got burnt out of the business maybe. And then when your heart's not in it, when your mind's not in it, um, and when you're broke at the same time, trying to figure out, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to keep your lights on? How are you going to pay for your phone? Your mindset isn't really there for sales and, you know, to excel in sales, you have to be super strong mindset, super mature, super focused. And I just wasn't that at that point in my life. So again, just bad month after bad month, bad year after bad year, um, not making any money, still wanted to live my life, still had bills to pay, going into debt, borrowing money, borrowing money from Peter to pay Paul, all that kind of stuff. And just really worked myself into a state where I wasn't really happy and I wasn't miserable and I was miserable. And um, you know, what happens then is you don't want to admit defeat. It's very hard to give up. It's very hard to walk away and say, I need to quit. I need to do something else. You know, that's, you know, admitting defeat. That's saying you're a loser. That's saying you failed. Very tough for me to do. So then I probably had to spin my wheels for another, you know, maybe year and a half, two years longer than I even should have. And it just got too much to bear. And then eventually when I hit rock bottom um, and couldn't even afford to, you know, commute to work anymore, I figured that something's got to change. And, um, you know, I said, I don't care what I'm going to do. I'll deliver pizza. I'll do whatever, but I need to get out of what I'm doing and figure something else out. And then luckily all the dominoes, you know, fell into place, all the cards fell into place. And, uh, 
everything worked out for the best. So what do you, what do you think that, that was very interesting? And, and what do you think separates people in, in sales, especially, I'm sure you had a lot of experience seeing like the ups and the downs, like you were saying, what would separate somebody who sees success and who, who struggles to keep their head afloat in a sales position? What are some of the things you picked up on that were sort of the differentiators between the people that were thriving and the people that were struggling to make it month to month? Mindset and maturity. That's 100% it. Like the people who are killing it in sales and, you know, the people who were killing it then and the people who are killing it now are the people who are mentally mature who have their shit together and who have the right super focused, super driven uh, mindset. And in a sales business, it's, you know, you might get pumped up for a little while, but then if things don't go your way, it's going to nag you out. It's going to bring your, you know, passion from here to here. And then you'll have a couple of good weeks or a couple of good sales and you'll get pumped again. But it's, it's tough to really stay consistent unless you're super disciplined and just like mentally focused, sharp, on point, smart. Um, again, it's something that I think if I had to do over again, well, not over again, if I had to do that job today, I think I would be a lot more successful at it because I'm just mentally in a different place, right? I'm turned on, I'm focused, I'm in the zone. But back then I was just, you know, mentally, um, I was a mental midget bro, to be honest with you. I was, you know, just mentally immature. I was, you know, looking to work as little as possible, just interested in, you know, chilling, going out, girls, smoking, all, all the kind of stuff that a kid is interested in and not so much mm -hmm. a man. So do you spend a lot of time these days thinking about your mindset and really honing that and, and developing it? Um, I'm always a big fan of self-help um, sure. and like motivational stuff and self-improvement stuff. Um, anything that I can pick up from anyone, you know, learn different tactics, learn different things. I'm always trying to do stuff to better myself right now. You know, mental stuff, physical stuff, all that kind of stuff. Okay. What do you, what do you say but, to people? You know, to, to add to yeah. that, it also, it's, it takes that, it takes like the mental focus and the discipline and all of that. And it also takes maturity. Cause even in those days when I was young, um, I went to see Tony Robbins live. I did the whole, you know, Tony Robbins personal power too. you know, that's like a 20 year old, uh, Tony Robbins program. I yeah. did that when I was 18 and it pumped me up and rah, rah. And I was, you know, good to go and, uh, doing well for a couple of months, but eventually it fizzled out because the one thing that I was missing with all of that, you know, focus and self-help is a little bit of a mental maturity at that time okay okay so take us back to where you are you're, you hit rock bottom you say I'm out of sales where do you go next um so where do I go next so I was living with a girl at the time in a long-term relationship I was um, lying to her all the time about my finances um, you know just not really doing the right thing again as a man not mature as a boyfriend just you know making mistakes after mistakes hit rock bottom she eventually kicked me out the house at 32 years of age where I physically go is you know with my tail tucked between my legs go to my mom's house move back in with my mom um, at this point I'm dead broke I'm in debt um, I owe people money. I owe the IRS money and back taxes. I have like, you know, a lot of unpaid bills and stuff like that. And I said, you know what? Um, I just have to do anything to make ends meet. So I was looking for a regular nine to five job. I remember there was pizzerias that I went to and asked them if they needed a delivery driver. Um, just like menial things, dude, you know, I'll take three, four, 500 bucks a week, um, just get some kind of income going and then we'll figure it out eventually. So a friend of mine at the time, um, had a retail brick and mortar store. He had a optical store and uh, he just gave me kind of like a customer service job for him. I was picking up the phones and, you know, sending out their packages and doing that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, paid four or 500 bucks a week, whatever it was. This was back in uh, 2012. Uh, but I was happy. I had some structure. I finally had some money coming in, um, even though it was pennies, but, you know, I was coming from the last two, three, four, five years before that I was literally making not a dollar. So it was good. I was getting in a better place. I was hungry. Um, and like I said, I was kind of stuck in the business for a while knowing that I should quit, but just not wanting to admit defeat and literally just dragging it out and spinning my wheels and going more into debt and all that kind of stuff. But you know, once I hit rock bottom and quit and just didn't care what people thought or anything like that, I was just happy to have found a regular job. 
So what would you tell a listener who feels like they might be spinning their wheels right now? Maybe they're in a position where, where they don't feel like they're making progress. They don't feel like they're moving forward in life. They feel like they're stagnant. They're spinning their wheels. What would you tell that listener to, to help them through that scenario, to help them get to that next stage? Um, I mean, it's tough to answer that because it's such a broad question. For and, sure. You know, it would be, um, I guess, specific to every um, to everyone's situation. But I would say, find something that you are passionate about. You know, anything that you do. And and I know there's people out there who are working regular jobs, and you know, you're not going to be passionate at working in a store. You're not going to be passionate delivering pizzas. You're not going to be passionate at working in Mickey D's or whatever. Um, but those are like jobs, you know, as far as a career, if you really want to build a business or, you know, advance your life career or school or life-wise, um, you have to do something that you're passionate about, that you're interested in. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more on that. So, And, and, and then the other thing that Gary Vee would say, you know, especially if you are young, um, in my life, when that happened, um, you know, that was in my thirties. Um, but you know, one thing Gary Vee always says is patience. You have patience. And if you're a, you know, 18 year old or a 21 year old or a 24 year old, you have, you know, all the time in the world. So, you know, you can really be patient, not rush and just, you know, make sure that you are doing the, uh, the right thing. That is the truth. I see so many young people, because I mean, that's the circles I'm surrounding myself with, comparing themselves to other people and saying like, oh, I should be there by now, or oh, I should have these things by now. I should have hit that benchmark by now. When in reality, like you just have to focus on you. You have to compare your today to your yesterday. And like, are you moving towards your tomorrow and away from your yesterday? And if you're doing that, you're on the right track. But if you're comparing your, again, like chapter, your chapter one to somebody else's like chapter 20, like you're, you're never going to be satisfied. So I think it's really important, especially for younger listeners to realize that like you should be comparing you to you and not you to anyone else. I'll also add this. If, you know, if you feel stuck, don't be afraid to change. Cause I'm even, you know, thinking in my head right now, some people that I am still friendly with, but people that I grew up with that are still stuck in a, you know, similar position. You know, there's a, one guy that comes to mind, you know, he was a, also a stockbroker and he's still doing it till this day, but I know he's struggling. I know the business is not for him. I know he's not making any money whatsoever doing it. His life is not moving in the right direction. And for whatever reason, he's just um, afraid to quit. You know, don't be afraid to quit. Don't be afraid of change. Um, when I left the business, like I said, I was literally looking for a job delivering pizza. I, di I didn't even know what selling on Amazon was. I had no idea e-commerce was even a thing. So it's not like I had some kind of master plan and I changed. Um, but, you know, don't be afraid to take the leap. And, you know, if you're in something that you hate, quit, do something else. That's the truth. So you were in this customer service position with, with your friend's business. How do you transition from there into Amazon? So he had the retail optical store, right? And the mm -hmm. customer service that I was doing, he also had a website where they were selling glasses. So like, you know, sunglasses, eyeglasses, all that kind of stuff through his optical store. That's where I was doing the customer service from, um, helping him fulfill those e-commerce um, orders. At the same time, he was selling on Amazon. So the same kind of, you know, sunglasses and stuff like that, that he was selling on his website, he was selling in Amazon. Um, he also owned a part of a beauty salon. So like the products that you would see at a beauty salon, like shampoos and, you know, gels and hairsprays, all that kind of stuff. He was selling that stuff on Amazon too. He was building a nice business. It, you know, really started to take off. It started to do well. Um, and he knew that I was hungry at the time and just wanted to work and just wanted to do whatever. And he said, to me, hey, you know, just how people are selling products here in the US, it's also a thing to sell on Amazon in the UK, on Amazon in Europe. He's like, why don't we figure out how to sell on Amazon in Europe? And you know what? Um, I'll put the ball in your court. I'll let you do it for me, through me. You know, we'll split the profits or whatever. I'll give mm -hmm. you a commission on that. Um, here's how you do it. Let's see if you can figure it out and let's figure it out. You know, so he gave me a cut of the business based on how much money the business actually made. Um, it didn't replace my day-to-day -day job. It was something that I did, you know, after my nine to five. It was something I did on the weekends. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he showed me that you can sell products on Amazon, popular brand name products. You could 
buy them low, sell them high. You know, there's a certain way to see what's selling on Amazon, see what it's selling for, what you're left with after fees, you know, do that arbitrage, do that math. Mm -hmm. And uh, in essence, it's, you know, you can find a product that you buy for $10 and when you sell it, you get back 14 and you make four bucks and you can sell 30, 40, 50, 100 of them a week, whatever it is. So, you know, little by little, we started building that uh, overseas business. Um, and it, you know, eventually got to the point where I loved it. I was just like, you know, amazed. I couldn't even believe it. You can buy, you know, a bottle of shampoo for 10 and sell it for 14 and people are buying it. And it's, you know, very simple process to figure it all out. Um, I loved it, um, was working, you know, day and night, literally every single day on the weekends too. And it got to the point where the income that I was making from that business was already far exceeding the 500 bucks that he was paying me, um, you know, for the customer service gig. And there was so much potential in that Amazon business that we got to the point where I no longer needed or wanted the customer service job. So I left that and focused on building the Amazon business full time. Wow. So while, while you were getting into the Amazon side of things, were there any struggles you faced, any roadblocks you ran into? What were some of the, the challenges that you were faced with? Um, I really wouldn't say there was any challenges. You know, I was at a point in my life where I was just super hungry. I was ready to go super hard and dedicate myself into um, any business that, you know, I, I was just hungry. I, I needed to turn my life around. I finally said, fuck it. I've had enough of this. I'm going to work. I'm going to figure something out. So there was no roadblock or challenges for me at that time. I was just going to go through anything that I had to in order to make something of myself. And there really wasn't, um, again, there really wasn't any roadblocks at that time while we were building up uh, those businesses. Okay. Where were you getting your information from? Did you have sources of content? Did you have mentors in the space? I know this guy had already been selling on Amazon for a little while. So did he, yeah, so he kind of, he kind of showed me the ropes and you know, it's a very like, it, what we do selling on Amazon is simple. You know, it actually though, it takes a lot of legwork. you got to put in a lot of hours. It's simple, but not easy. You know, it's very hard, lots of hard work, lots of hours, but it's simple. And, uh, you know, the formula was really find products that are popular on Amazon that people are buying and see what we buy them for and what we can sell them for and find the small percentage of products where you can make that little buy low, sell high, that little arbitrage and find those products. And what we were basically doing at the time, so he had a optical store. So he was able to open wholesale accounts, trade accounts with, um, you know, any optical brand manufacturer, for instance, you know, Ray-Ban, um, Oakley's, whatever. And the same thing with the beauty salon, because he had a beauty salon, he was able to open wholesale accounts with various, you know, manufacturers and distributors and wholesalers of beauty products. And we would open these wholesale accounts and we would get catalogs of uh, 10, 20, 50,000 different products that we have access to. And then it's all about just sitting down and doing the legwork, looking up each and every single one of those products on Amazon and, you know, seeing what's popular, what's selling, you know, what they're selling for, what we're getting it for, and kind of just whittling down those lists to find products that we can actually flip and make a quick buck. Is that still sort of the process you go by today or has, has your strategy yeah, kind of evolved a bit? That's, that's pretty much the process. And, you know, it's a numbers game. Much like sales, this business is a numbers game. So you have to, you know, it's not that easy to find popular pro or profitable products rather, but um, the process of going through it, it literally, you know, it, it's simple, but it's a numbers game. So there's a lot of legwork involved, but, you know, open wholesale accounts, see what products they have, looking up those products on Amazon, finding the ones that are popular and actually selling because 99% of the stuff isn't popular, has no sales, has no sales velocity. And then the stuff that is selling, you know, you just look it up. What's it selling for? What am I left with after Amazon takes its cut? Oh, this product's selling for 20 bucks after Amazon's, you know, fees and commissions. I'm left with 15. My cost for it is 14. So I only make a buck. It's not good. But, you know, the other product might be good. And just doing that arbitrage, doing that research, doing that hustle, you know, just going through thousands and thousands of brands and lists and products and uh, finding the small portion of stuff that works much like sales to anyone who's in sales. You know, I was taught as a stockbroker, the more numbers you dial, 
the more people you're going to get on the phone. Um, the more people you get on the phone, you know, nine out of 10 people are going to click you, but the more people you get on the phone, one of them is going to hear you out. Um, and you're going to be able to pitch that person. They're probably not going to buy what you're selling, but if you pitch 10 people a day, maybe you'll get one account. If you pitch 20, 30, 40 people a day, your odds of getting that one account go up. If you know, if you just play the numbers and scale that out, it's very, very similar to arbitrage on Amazon. Hmm. That's a very interesting connection that I never thought of before. But yeah, getting that law of averages and knowing your numbers and knowing, yep. okay, yeah, for every 10 phone calls I make, I get one person that doesn't hang up on me right away. And then for every 10 people that I talk to that I pitch to, I get one that actually maybe opens an account. So that's, that's a very interesting way to think about that. I never, I never put that connection together. And, and it's the same thing with suppliers. I mean, you work with a wholesaler supplier, a wholesale supplier, nine out of 10 of them are going to suck. Um, they're all going to send you, you know, lists, a wholesale lists, catalogs of products that have, you know, uh, of items that they have for sale, you know, tens of thousands of items. Um, and you're going to go through them and 99.9% .9 of them are going to suck. So you're really looking for that diamond in the rough, that one in a thousand, that one in 10,000. So again, it's like a numbers game. If you're only contacting one supplier a week, only getting one list a week, the odds of you finding a good profitable product to flip, it's going to be much different than the guy who's out working you and opening tons of accounts and um, you know doing all that kind of stuff. That's the truth. So clearly you guys had, had established businesses that you were able to leverage to work with wholesalers. If, if we have an 18, 19, 20 year old listening to the podcast right now, wanting to get involved in wholesaling, are they able to reach out to wholesalers and, and get these lists from them? Uh, do you need to have an established business? There's, there's a little bit of pre-work that goes into it. So you don't necessarily need a brick and mortar store. Of course, with a brick and mortar store, the amount of wholesalers who will take you seriously and open an account with you greatly uh, improves. But even without a brick and mortar store, um, it's very doable, but you do need a couple of things first. So to buy wholesale or to open a trade account with most distributors, um, you would need at the very least to incorporate. You need to have a legal business entity like a corporation or an LLC or something like that. Um, doesn't hurt to have a website, doesn't hurt to have a professional email address. Um, a commercial address might help, although it's not necessary. Um, you just have to look like a, you know, a professional business because most wholesalers, most brands, most distributors, they sell business to business. They want to sell products to, you know, to a fellow business, to a fellow store, to a fellow website. They don't necessarily want to sell products to a quote unquote kid flipping products out of their garage. So even if that is your situation, um, you have to, you know, you have to turn yourself into a legitimate business, which isn't that hard website, email, um, legally incorporate. And that's pretty much it. Um, also wholesale, you need a little bit more cash to start out with than some of the other Amazon business models. But you know, you know, money talks obviously in wholesale, but you know, if you have a couple of brand, I would say three to five at a minimum is a good number to start at. Um, you know, then it's possible. It doesn't really matter if you're 18 years old or if you're 58 years old. Um, and you know, for the kids out there who don't have that three to five grand, there's something called retail arbitrage where it's literally the same type of concept that I explained to you, but instead of sourcing those products or going through lists of, you know, products from wholesalers and manufacturers, you go to a retail brick and mortar store, a big box store, a Walgreens, a Walmart, a Target, you go to their clearance section. Um, you can use your iPhone. There's, you know, scanning apps. You can use the Amazon app and you pick up a product and you scan its barcode and you look up that item on Amazon and you see what it's selling for on Amazon. You see what you're able to get it for in the clearance section of this big box store. Um, and the same concept, buy it low and sell it high. You know, I know, I know people who have actually taken that retail arbitrage approach and literally built businesses that do 10 to 20 million a year in revenue 
by doing just that, not even doing wholesale. I mean, I know one guy, um, he does $2 million a month in sales on Amazon. And what he does, he goes to outlet stores, Nike outlet. Um, he specifically focuses on footwear, right? So we'll go to like the Nike outlet, the Adidas outlet, um, all these different outlet stores and big box stores. And he's scanning kicks and he's seeing, you know, this pair of Nike in the outlet, it's 24 bucks. It's selling on Amazon for 54 bucks. It's ranked well. People are buying it. Um, after I sell it, I'm left with 35 bucks. It costs me, you know, 20 in the outlet. That's a $15 flip. And he started little by little just with his phone and eventually scaled it out to where he now has a team of five to 10 shoppers that all go to different locations, each with a van and just racking up. And it's, you know, just scaled it out to something big. But that's a business that is accessible for, you know, for the kid who has a couple of hundred bucks and just wants to start flipping and make, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks on the weekend instead of just chilling and doing whatever. Very, very realistic way to do that. Even if you don't want a big business, even if you want to do a side hustle, you know, not easy, but simple, very simple to do retail arbitrage and make, you know, a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand bucks a month by just working one or two days on the weekend. And then if you want to scale that out into a real business, you know, that that's there for the taking as well. Wow. I'd never, I've never come across somebody who was able to scale retail arbitrage that big, but that's, that's an operation right there. I mean, you follow me on Instagram when, you know, after we're done talking here, I'll send you the link to some of these guys, huge, huge. Some of the biggest sellers I know um, are actually retail arbitrage sellers. Really? Um, you know, that they, they've built it out big and you know you, they have a team of people out there going to these stores and scanning stuff and they got hookups at the stores and all that kind of stuff but they figured it out to a science um and again it's not easy it's hard but it's simple i know what they're doing for you know but based on what i told you there's a lot of nuance and like all these little amazon rules and stuff sure. like that that you might not know but based on what i told you right now you know 80 percent of the business that's what they're doing they're you know looking for products that are popular buying low and selling high that's the business how much you take advantage of it how much you scale it how much you put into it that's going to directly reflect what you get out of it. But, you know, it's a simple business, but not everyone's willing to get dirty and put in the work. That's the truth for sure. So let's, let's flash back to, to wholesaling for a second here and talk about, um, I'm, I'm curious about reaching out to suppliers. So let's say you have incorporated, you've gotten your LLC, you've gotten your ducks in a row, you have a website, maybe an email, looking a little bit professional, um, and you want to reach out to one of these guys and ask them for their list, ask them for the products that they sell, and potentially start doing business with them. What does that interaction look like, and, and what, is the, what does the first touch look like for you? Just super simple, dude. I mean, they're in the business of selling their products. Um, you know, every retail store out there is buying their products from a wholesaler, from a distributor, from a brand directly. Um, you know, if you have everything properly set up before you make the contact, the contact is literally, hey, I found your, you know, I found you guys at this trade show or I found your information online. My name is Larry from XYZ Corp. Can you please send me some information about how to open a wholesale account with you? That's it. Or literally even simpler, hey, I'm interested in opening a wholesale account. Can you please let me know? what you need and they'll send you an application and they'll send you a list so super simple okay and how do you go about finding them in the first place i know you mentioned trade shows you mentioned online but like there's, what are some strategies so there's a ton of different methods to find them and like i said they they the whole business boils down to a numbers game so you know the more ways you have of finding them the more time you spend in those ways of trying to find them, you know, nine out of 10 of everything in this business sucks. So nine out of 10 suppliers suck and all of that, but, um, can find them one, you know, one easy way to do it is just find them online, type in, you know, video game supplier, video game distributor, um, beauty supplier, beauty distributor, a uh, grocery distributor. That's one way to find them. Another way to find them is go to trade shows. Um, another way to find them is go to websites of trade shows and look at their distributor or their um, exhibitor list and start contacting them that way. Um, another way to find them is looking at other small to medium sellers on Amazon, see what products they're selling, then look for distributors of those products or try to contact those brands. Um, there's something called Amazon filtering where you go on the Amazon website and you kind of pick a niche um, 
um, and look for brands and then just make a list of those brands and start contacting them. Um, another way is just literally go into a retail store in your neighborhood. You know, if you see a store that sells, uh, you know, home goods or a store that sells like, uh, you know, groceries, just, you know, develop a relationship with the store owner. Hey, I'm interested in opening a grocery store too, you know, in the next town over. What, you know, where do you guys get your products from? Can you recommend a good distributor to me? Something like that. So, um, you know, be creative. There's a million different ways to find um, suppliers, hmm. but, you know, just go into it knowing most of them are going to suck and it's just about whittling down through the numbers and finding the right ones. And that's where a little bit of creativity will play into it. Do you have any strategies since you said like nine out of 10 suppliers are just garbage? Do you have any strategies for, for whittling those down before you start working with them? Um, just literally work the numbers, right? So if you, you know, if you have a list of 10 suppliers, the, there's a chance maybe one of them is going to be good. Probably not. But you know, if you do what I like, you know, a couple of those methods that I just told you and you build a list of a hundred potential suppliers for sure out of a hundred one or two of them is going to have something good for you so it's all about just working the numbers and the way you kind of whittle it down um there are obviously little you know minute details and stuff like that that i won't really you know get into and bore you with but sure. um, usually they'll just send you a list you'll do you know you'll quote unquote, run the numbers, you'll take that list, you'll look up those products on Amazon, see what you're left with after fees, see what their prices are. And um, you'll just see that, you know, it, it doesn't work for you. They gave you a list of, you know, 100 products, all 100 suck or all 100 have no margin in it whatsoever. Um, and they suck, but you don't really know too much that they suck until you actually run the numbers on their lists. Okay. So as far as running the numbers goes, things you want to look for stuff like sales velocity, like how many of these products other people are moving, like exactly. what the margins are with Amazon's fees. Exactly. What are some of the other big things you got to look for? So Amazon makes arbitrage all possible by having a rank system. So on literally almost on 99% of product pages on Amazon, you will see what's called a bestseller rank and Amazon will rank products in a particular category based on how well they sell. Um, it's a numerical rank, it's per category. So let's say you're looking at an item that's ranked number one in the electronics category, that's the number one best-selling item in the electronics category. Um, if you see an item that's ranked, you know, number 100, it's still probably moving a couple thousand, you know, units a day or a couple hundred units a day. Um, so you can know, you can see, you know, if an item is ranked well, or if an item has no rank at all, you know there's some kind of you know velocity. And then there are different tools and websites and Chrome extension that can give you uh, you know an estimation on how, what that translates into, how many sales that is specifically. But you know to keep it simple, anything that's under a rank of like fifty thousand or seventy-five thousand, anything that's under that or better. Um, that's something that has some kind of sales velocity. So, you know, for example, if you get a list from a wholesale supplier and you look up all the products on the list, anything that's ranked above 75,000, you can just scratch it, forget it. Those items don't even sell. It doesn't matter if there's a hundred dollar profit on it. If it's not selling, it's not selling. So you're only, you whittle down a big list to only the items that have rank that actually sell. And then on those items, you whittle them down further by looking up those selling items on Amazon and seeing what other sellers are selling those products for. And then you say to yourself, well, if I'm selling those products, I'm going to be competing with those other sellers, selling those products for the same price as those other sellers. And then there's something called the Amazon calculator, which you enter a product into the Amazon FBA calculator, you enter the price that you're gonna be selling it for, and it's gonna tell you how much Amazon takes in fees and what you're left with after that. So if you find a product that's selling well and the sellers are selling it for, you know, let's just use an arbitrary number of 20 bucks, so then you're gonna match them to compete and you're gonna sell it at 20 bucks, you would take that product, you would put it into the Amazon calculator, you would punch in that you're going to sell it for 20 bucks and Amazon's going to say, well, we take $6 in fees. You're left with 14 bucks, 14 bucks is all yours. And then you defer to your list. You know, if you get, if you can get that item for 10, you're, you're getting net 14 when everything is all said and done, you make a $4 profit. Um, but in most cases you'll see you're left with that 14 and you're probably getting the item for 14 or 13 and the, there's hardly any margin. So, you know, you'll pass on it. But again, 
go through a couple hundred, couple thousand items that suck, looking for that 1% that you can actually flip and make you know, a couple of bucks with. Mm. So how does Amazon deal with multiple people selling the same thing at like the same price? How do they, do they split the sales? Do they like allow the person to choose? Like, how does that work? Like when I press add to cart, like how do I know whose product I'm buying if there's like 12 different people selling the same thing? So a good way to look at it is unlike eBay, right? So if I'm selling an iPhone and you're selling an iPhone, same exact iPhone, and we both want to list it on eBay, you would create a listing for the product. I would create a listing for the product. There yeah. are two separate listings for the product. And you know, if you go on eBay and you type in iPhone X, there's going to be a million different sellers with a million different listings for iPhones. The way it works on Amazon is a little different. There's only one listing for a particular item for that iPhone X. So if you want to sell it, if I I want to sell it if a hundred other sellers want to sell it we are all offering it on that one listing um, so every Amazon listing or most Amazon listings have multiple sellers selling the product and the way it works who gets the sales is there's something called the buy box and the buy box is kind of the front of the page it's the seller that Amazon promotes that Amazon pushes to the front and the buy box basically is you know it's things that are done to the benefit of the consumer. So whoever has the quickest shipping, lowest price, whoever has the best sales record um, competes for the buy box or gets that buy box. So for example, if there's two people selling iPhone X's on the same listing on Amazon and I'm selling it for 300 bucks and the second seller is selling it for 350, I'm better for the customer. Amazon is going to push me to the front. I'm going to get the buy box. If there's two sellers selling it for the same price and more or less those two sellers are equal, Amazon is going to rotate them. So one time you'll have the buy box. One time I'll have the buy box. You know, every hour it'll just switch them around. If there's five sellers all roughly at the same price, all five will rotate like that. So that's why I mentioned earlier when you're looking to see what what price the products are selling for on Amazon. You want to see what the buy box price is because that's the price you're going to be competing it for. So if, you know, if a product is at 20 bucks, you're not going to list, you could list it at 30 and make money, but you're not going to get any sales because Amazon is promoting that seller who's in the buy box at 20. So when you see that and you're running the numbers, you say to yourself, for me to get the sale, for me to get the buy box, I would have to be competing at 20, run the numbers at 20, see what you are left with. And that's how you figure out if you're profitable or not. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many mechanics that go on with selling on Amazon that I am just completely oblivious to because I don't have any experience doing that. Um, but, but there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of nuance in this space. Yes. <laughs> so, so tell us now, um, so if we have, if we have a listener who they went through the process, they, they set up an LLC, they contacted some suppliers, they got some lists. How, it, how can they most effectively like go through those lists of like hundreds, if not thousands of items, there's gotta be like some kind of like software out there. Or so like, there is, there's a whole bunch of different list scanning software where you just take an Excel list or, you know, a, uh, a supplier's price list and you upload it into a software and it just very quickly, you know, takes the UPCs or the barcodes or the EAN numbers for those products, finds them on Amazon, tells you what the buy box price is, tells you what the rank is. Um, and then, you know, you have all the information there, but in the beginning, especially if you're someone new who hasn't done it before, I would just be patient and do the research one at a time, manually going off of the list, looking the product up on Amazon. Next item on the list, looking the product up on Amazon. Um, it's not something that I would do now because obviously I know the business a lot more, yeah. but in the beginning, you're doing it manually and seeing all the sellers, seeing who's in the buy box, seeing what's what, that education that you'll get from doing it manually is priceless, as opposed to if you kind of just start out as a rookie and start using a lot of you know, shortcuts and scanning tools, you'll never really know what's really going on. You won't get that education. So definitely do that first. And then after you know the business pretty well, then there's you know, all sorts of different scan tools like that that you can use to scan these lists. That's the truth. And I mean, everyone's looking for shortcuts out there. Nobody actually wants to put in the time and, and do the yep. work. Because again, like you said, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's not difficult, but it, it, it takes time. No one wants to do it. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Larry, you've been dropping a bunch of value on our listeners and I really, really appreciate that. I've got some questions that I'd like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. Are you feeling ready for them? Yeah. Awesome. So the first one is what is something that you're genuinely excited about right now? What is something that genuinely has you fired up? Um, so for the last six months, I've been working on a wholesale course. Um, it's something that I always wanted to do when I started on social media about, um, two plus years ago, by the way, for those who don't know me, check me out on Instagram at watch me, Amazon, um, started that kind of to just document, you know, behind the scenes of my warehouse of an Amazon seller, give everyone an idea of what actually the day-to-day process looks like. And for the two years that I've been on Instagram, people have been hitting me up all the time. Um, asking me, when's my course coming out? When's my course coming out? All that kind of stuff. It's, it's very difficult to create a course when you actually have a full-time eight-figure business that you're running on a day-to-day basis. So that's why it's taking me so long to put it out. But I am nearing the end of completing it and you know, not trying to sell it or push it or promote it or anything like that whatsoever. But I am super proud and super excited of the course of the content that I'm creating. I, I know that it's going to be just fucking amazing, for lack of a better term. And that's one thing that I am very, very excited about. I love it. And we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes as well, along with your Instagram. So people can definitely follow up with you and learn more about that as well. Larry, do you have any habits or things you do on a regular basis to help you get to that next level? These could be in your business, in your lifestyle. What are those things you do on a regular basis? Um, So I actually, you know, we spoke a little earlier about um, self-improvement and self-help and all that kind of stuff. And I am a big fan of that kind of stuff. Um, A couple of months ago, I found a gentleman by the name of Alex Sharfin, who is a high performance coach for entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And I took one of the courses that he has available out there. And it's all about um, just building, having a plan and building momentum in your life. It's all about, um, you know, entrepreneurs, the one thing that drives us and gets us moving and gets us to really complete and accomplish our goals is having momentum. So he has this whole, um, just a whole planning system, I guess, for lack of a better term, where you get really clear on your, you know, life goals, yearly goals, quarterly goals, monthly goals, whittled all the way down to what you need to do this week, what you need to do this day to achieve those goals. And I'm just very big into planning and all that kind of stuff right now. Hmm, awesome. I'll have to look into him and some of his stuff. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he works with some um, like super, super like big dog billionaires. He's, you know, he's trained some of the or, or has been a personal coach um, for some of the best, biggest entrepreneurs out there. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. So I definitely, I definitely think I've come across him at least once or twice I, before. He works with also Russell Brunson. Right? Oh, yeah, that's where I heard it. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so what content, if any, are you consuming yourself right now? I know you're creating this course, you're creating content on Instagram, but are there any books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube channels that you're consuming? Yeah. So um, first off, one of the best pieces of advice that I will give for anyone who's interested in Amazon, right? So the way I was taught by my friend about Amazon and the way I thought most Amazon sellers were you know, you have to be very DL, very secretive about it. Don't tell anyone what you do. Don't tell anyone where you sell. Don't tell anyone, God forbid you tell anyone, you know, what your storefront is or what you sell or anything like that. Just keep it all very, very hush hush. And, you know, that's how I thought every Amazon seller operates. You know, when I first started, that was the world I was in. But I say that to say two years ago, when I got on social media and started you know, interacting with other Amazon sellers in the space. I started joining uh, FBA groups on Facebook. I started joining, you know, different communities of sellers. And even though I put out a lot of Amazon content, I've learned so much in the last two years by participating with other sellers and sharing what I do and them sharing what they do um, that I think literally one of the best ways for anyone to learn Amazon wholesale, private label, arbitrage, whatever it is, there's a ton of really good groups on Facebook. So I would, you know, definitely go sign up to some of these FBA groups. They're not my groups. I don't own them. I have a group, but I'm referring to other groups as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's one piece of content. Otherwise, the other content that I listen to is 
not really self-help stuff. It's just, you know, stuff that I'm interested in. So I'm a big fan of Howard Stern. I'm a big fan of the Rogan podcast. Um, one of my all-time favorite podcasts is Hardcore History. I'm a little bit of like a history war buff, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Game of Thrones is obviously first season just premiered as we're recording this episode. I love that. So, you know, the, the content that I really consume is not self-help content, just kind of like entertainment content. Hmm. I feel that sometimes you just need some uh, a break from all the all the stuff you're doing. Yep. So I'm always really curious as well, Larry, uh, what my guests do that doesn't scale. So just a quick example of what I'm talking about here. Every day, I was actually just doing this before we happened on the interview. Um, I'll record like five to 10 video DMs uh, for new followers. I'll just go to the new followers on Instagram and click on random names and just like record a quick five second video like, hey, Larry, how's it going? My name's Apple. I appreciate the follow. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Have a wonderful day. So I'm simple like that. Um, but I just send those out to, to have an impact with people. And it's not something that's scalable. Like I don't want to mass produce it. I want it to be something that like has that personal like Apple credit touch to it. So is there anything that comes to mind for you that has that personal like Larry touch to it? Um, not so much. I mean, I know that I should definitely put out more content that I do. And that's something that I want to put a focus on. But you know, it's not super scalable when you're making all the content yourself. Although, you know, Gary, if you probably beg to disagree. Um, but one of the things that I do that's probably not scalable is um, I'm pretty, uh, to my detriment, I'm a control freak and a little bit anal and a little bit hands on in my business to where I do a lot of the menial tasks myself in the business. And I know, you know, I'm not going to find anyone who's going to do it as well as I do or have the same passion for it. Um, I know, again, it's at my detriment and I want to kind of build a team out to take that, uh, to take some of that burden off of my hands. But one of the things that really can't scale is I wish there was two of me to run the business or three of me or, you know, four clones of me to run the business because then it would really scale it and take it to the next level. That is the truth. Once that cloning, cloning, I don't even know, technology comes out, like I'm going to be the first person there. Yep. <laughs> so Larry, where can our listeners go if they've been enjoying the amazing value you've been providing in this episode, all of the wisdom you've been sharing with us today, where can they go if they want to follow up with you and learn more about you and what you are up to? I am on Instagram at Watch Me Amazon. I am also on YouTube at Watch Me Amazon. Um, for anyone who is interested in, you know, seeing what the business looks like, and I actually have on YouTube, I have a lot of instructional business where I go into details about scanning through the lists and contacting suppliers and just behind the scenes in my warehouse and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, YouTube and Instagram at Watch Me Amazon, also Facebook, but I am most active on Instagram and YouTube at Watch Me Amazon. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link up all of those in the show notes for this episode. Larry, I really do appreciate your time. Do you have any last closing thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything that you want to close out the show with here today? No, just um, no magic words of wisdom. Just want to tell you, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out to me and uh, you know setting up this uh, interview and being interested in that. So thank you very much. I appreciate you there, Apple. And um, yeah, that's it. Um, you know, I, I I try to respond to. I, you know, I get a lot of messages, but I try to answer each and every one of them. So if anyone out there has a you know sincere interest in learning Amazon FBA, um, shoot me a DM on Instagram, chances are I will reply to you. And if you have a question, I will, you know, try to get you sorted. Amazing. Larry, I appreciate you and I appreciate your knowledge, man. Likewise, Apple. Thank you, man. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Young Smart Money. Again, if you guys did enjoy the show, do remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us get in front of more people with the show. It helps you hear from even more amazing guests. It just makes the world go round when you do smash that five-star in iTunes. And if you guys want me to shout you out in my Instagram story, I am always up for that. So if you send a screenshot of your review to Apple Crater Official on Instagram, shoot me a DM of that or just tag me in it. Would love to repost it on my short story and give y'all a shout out there. Otherwise, I hope you guys do have a wonderful day, whether you're out walking the dog, whether you are at the gym, whatever you are up to on this fine day. I hope it is a splendid one and I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful day.